For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Amen. God's word for our message this festival Christmas Day is from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Christians at Colossae, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. By inspiration of the Spirit, Paul writes, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. This is God's word. My dear fellow believers in our Savior Jesus Christ, surprisingly, many people feel empty at Christmas. Many people feel let down and deflated, sort of depressed. And no doubt there are many reasons for that, but I think one of the reasons is that so many people are determined to banish God from their daily lives. Well, they work out their own problems on their own and with their own power here on this earth. You know, mankind always defaults to a position where he thinks that he is in charge of life and therefore he is determined to fend for himself, to work out his own solutions for life. But my friends, it doesn't work. If you banish God from the scene, then there is nothing left to make sense out of life. Nothing left to connect the dots. Nothing left to put things into proper perspective. You know, we human beings, we have to have something bigger than ourselves to live for. The answer to humanity's despair is today. Christmas. The answer to mankind's spiritual vacuum and to all the counterfeit gods that he comes up with is the incarnation. When God himself took on human flesh and blood in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. The only thing that can ever fill this humongous hole in humankind's heart is the burning love of a devoted God. A God who sets his desire on us poor, miserable sinners. A God who demonstrated that love of his by taking on our human flesh and blood and with it, all of our human despair. That's what happened at Christmas. God became one of us. And that's why Christmas is the answer to mankind's need. The problem is that all of this is a mystery. It's irrational. Doesn't make any sense. Our human heads 
can't wrap our minds around that truth that God became a man. Really? All that God is, a baby was? As our scripture text puts it, in Christ dwells all the fullness of the deity bodily. Any thinking person can shoot logical holes in that Bible truth. That's why the early Christians found a way to defend this message of Christmas, the Incarnation. Those early Christians found a way to categorize Bible passages which teach this truth of the Incarnation from different angles. They call this truth of Christmas the communication of the attributes. Or it could also be called the sharing of the attributes of God and mankind. And they divided this topic into three categories. The sharing of characteristics, the sharing of God's majesty with mankind, and the sharing of the actions. And these three categories will be the theme of God's word for us for our Christmas sermon today as we rejoice in this beautiful Bible truth now that God is one of us. Again, those three categories are the sharing of the characteristics, the sharing of God's majesty with mankind, and the sharing of the actions. You know, the baby Jesus had two natures, completely human and completely God. The sharing of the characteristics means that in Scripture, the characteristics of one nature of Jesus are shared completely with the other nature of Jesus. And so, when one nature is mentioned in the Bible, the action refers to the other nature. Something human about Jesus is attributed to God. Or, something divine about Jesus is attributed to a man. And so, God was born in a manger. God suffered on the cross. God purchased the church of God with his own blood, the Bible says. And it also goes the other way. The man, Jesus, knew the thoughts of people. God's enemies crucified the Lord of glory. The man, Jesus, was raised to life. See, in this historical Jesus, there was a complete sharing of God and man in one person. So that we may properly say that Jesus is the God-man. Oh, yeah, I know. There are logical problems with this. And those who try to explain it logically to the satisfaction of our reason, they will end up denying it. That's why all we can really do is defend this truth 
by using Bible passages. You know, the early Christian church spent 500 years defending this Bible truth that Jesus has two completely different natures, God and man, and yet he's only one person. Jesus is not half man and half God. He's not partly human and partly divine. He's completely human and completely divine. And yet he is just one historical person, the baby, born in Bethlehem. Now this is not just dry as dust theology. Huh? This is an important truth for us today. One that has tremendous application for us as we live out our daily lives. The reason for that is because so many people think that truth is relative and that truth is, you know, different for different people, all depending on your perspective. I don't know. The vast majority of our world denies that there's anything such as absolute truth. But Christmas proclaims that there is. Hmm? Here in our postmodern world where absolute truth is denied, where um, cynicism runs amok, where Pilate's question, you know, what is truth, is a lot of people's mantra, where feelings and emotions and subjective navel-gazing reign supreme, what a refreshing contrast this Christmas message is. It is a fact. God and man are all there in this one person who lived in history 2,000 years ago. You see, life really does have objective reality. Christmas really did happen. It's not a fairy tale, huh? God did become a human being. And Jesus of Nazareth is that God-man. The story of Christmas, you see, is far more compelling than any documentary the media industry might put out. The story of Christmas is much more important than any sitcom on TV or any movie our society is putting itself to sleep with at night. This story of God's amazing love in Jesus gives meaning and purpose to my life much more than any TikTok video or Facebook post or Snapchat view because it shows me that God is now one of us. Secondly, the early Christian church spoke of the sharing of God's majesty in its defense of the incarnation of Jesus. Now, what does that mean? The sharing of the majesty means that all that these perfections of God are given to the human nature of Jesus. Now, this only goes one way, eh? from God to mankind. And there were four perfections of Jesus that the early church spelled out that were taken from the majesty of God and communicated to Jesus. Specifically, God's omnip omnipotence, God's omniscience, 
God's omnipresence and God's honor are bestowed on the man Jesus, the human being. Or let's put it this way. All that God is has been transferred to the flesh and blood of the baby of Bethlehem. As the Apostle Paul puts it in our scripture text, in Christ dwells all the fullness of the deity in bodily form. Now, God did that for a purpose, a very specific purpose. And that purpose was for us to find God in Jesus. The whole point of the incarnation and the birth of Jesus was that we human beings are to find and experience and enjoy God in only one place, in the flesh and blood of the baby of Bethlehem who was born to Mary. This is why Jesus tells the disciples in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. Because anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And in order to emphasize that, the Apostle John calls Jesus, as you heard earlier today, the Word of God. As God's flesh and blood Word, Jesus tells us the real nature of God. What God wants us to know about him. That he loves the human race. That he himself lived for the human race and died for the human race in Christ. For just like our words that we speak on a daily basis communicate our thoughts to other people, so also Jesus communicates God's thoughts to the human race. Because all that is the deity is shared with mankind as a human being in the person of Jesus. Again, application. This Bible truth really affects how we prioritize our life. Because, think about it, if only in Jesus do we find God, then our whole purpose in life has to be to get closer to Jesus and to embrace Jesus more and to learn to live as a reflection of Jesus in everything that we think, do, and say. Because the Holy Spirit does not come to us in any other way but through the human Jesus. For all of the majesty of God has been put into him. Nobody really finds God in this world by going out into the woods. Staring up at the stars at night, or gazing into their own hearts and getting in touch with themselves. And nobody finds God in all those other religions of the world because God is not there. For God is found in no other place than in the manger at Bethlehem with its follow up trip <clears throat> to Calvary and then to Joseph's empty tomb on Easter Sunday morning. <clears throat> the incarnation means that God is now one of us. 
and we need to be right with Jesus through repentance over our daily sins and through faith in him throughout our lives. And if that's not the case, then God simply won't be in our lives at all. As Lutherans, we understand and teach this point well, that we don't ascend up to God. We don't go looking for God on our own terms. We don't expect God to be in our lives in some spectacular, spine-tingling way. Oh no, we expect to find God hidden in a lowly manger at Bethlehem. And we expect to find God in his death on the tree of Calvary. And we expect to find God in the word that is preached to us by our clay pot pastors and in the waters of our baptism and in the wine and the wafers of the Holy Sacrament. Because you see, all of the majesty of God is shared with Jesus' human nature. And so we confess that this baby is our God. He is everything about God to us. And that this is really all we need now that God is one of us. The third aspect of the incarnation and birth of Jesus that the early church used to describe this is the sharing of the actions. This teaches that the different actions of Jesus, our Savior, are never performed just by one nature alone, but are always performed jointly by both natures of the entire Jesus. That each nature, whether God or man, contributes to the action that nature needs to carry out the work. But that every action applies always to the one person, Jesus. And so we say this, that in God, in the man, Jesus, was born in Bethlehem. That God, in the man, Jesus, experienced hunger, thirst, and pain, and rejection. And that God, in the man, Jesus, suffered and died on a cross. And likewise, the flip side. We say that the man, Jesus, lived a perfect life because he was God. That this man, Jesus, was raised from the dead because he is God. And this man, Jesus, ascended back into heaven and he now rules the whole universe because he is God. Every one of these actions of Jesus always applies to both natures, to the human and the divine side of Christ. And not just true from the past, but also true still today. Because still today, Jesus, the God-man, is running the universe. The same God-man who was born in that manger at Bethlehem, the same God-man who walked the dusty streets of Palestine, that same God-man is now filling the whole universe and is ruling everything for the good of his elect, his people, you and me, huh? And he does all of this both as God and a human being. That's the sharing of the actions. 
And again, wonderful application. What a spectacular certainty that truth gives us, that God is now one of us. This God-man Jesus is our brother and our redeemer. And that all of the power of God is ruling this universe. And in spite of what we see, and in spite of how evil seems to triumph in our world, in spite of how our culture perverts God's word and teaches contrary to God's word, in spite of how the institutions of our world often oppose that which God's word says, Jesus says God has it all under control. And he's making, out work, making it work out for the good of his people. And Jesus is doing all of that with the compassion and love and empathy of a true human being. He's running the universe as someone who knows how it feels to experience life, knows how it feels to face everything that we face as human beings on this planet. We Christians do not view this world as some empty hole, you know, some hurtling sphere of meaningless molecules that are going through space in some mumbo-jumbo fashion. We don't need to go day to day wondering, you know, where God is and where's our world going into the future? Our brother Jesus rules all things for us. And our brother Jesus is present with us wherever we go and whatever we do. And as our brother, we will see him with our own eyes. Because as our brother, he intercedes for us daily. And as our brother, he will take us home and nobody will take our joy away from us. It all started on Christmas Day. And it will end when God takes us home to heaven. Now that God is one of us. Yes, this truth of Christmas, it's very, very simple, isn't it? As simple as a newborn baby. And yet the truth of Christmas is also very profound. It's profound as a newborn baby, huh? Jesus was born. True man, true God, yet one person in everything. Everything that he was and did and still is. May God bless all of you as you celebrate this wonderful season now that our God is one of us. Amen.